The job of coaching a sales team may in fact be harder than ever with a plethora of digital technologies and complicated philosophies. Enter the concept of high-touch coaching, which marries the best of high-tech and the one-on-one feedback that turns salespeople into sales leaders. To explain what it looks like in action, we'll talk with Lisa Oliver, president and CEO of the Cooperative Bank of Cape Cod. Welcome to BAI Banking Strategies, where each week we'll focus on the key issues facing financial services leaders. We'll bring you objective opinions and actionable insights that will help you power smart decisions. I'm your host, Lou Carloso, the managing editor at BAI. Come on in. Thanks for tuning into the podcast and fantastic to have you here with us. And today on the show, we have Lisa Oliver. Lisa is president and chief executive officer of the Cooperative Bank of Cape Cod. Lisa has 30 plus years of financial services experience, including 25 years at KeyBank, where she served as executive vice president and head of business banking. Prior to that, as president of the bank's Greater Cleveland District. In that position, she oversaw the retention and expansion of the bank's client base through its branch network and its commercial and private banking teams and led the bank's extensive philanthropic initiatives. And Lisa, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lou. It's great to be here. One of the things that you talked about during your session at BAI Beacon, which was high-touch coaching in a high-tech world, millennials want to make a difference. They don't want to get into banks What's the approach that banks need to take to lure in the best millennials they can get as talent? The theme of being able to help a client is a critical approach to working with millennials. In that process, debunking the myth of what sales is, is the first piece of the equation. I think there's people who may gravitate towards sales. I think there's millennials who may gravitate towards sales. But at the end of the day, there aren't people knocking on our door who are millennials who say, hey, I want to be a salesperson in banking. So when we can convert the conversation about sales to really being a role that helps people solve problems, helps provide knowledge, helps provide solutions, and is ultimately getting to the heart of as Dwayne Blomstrom would say, the emotional banking moments, those times where someone has to make a critical decision. And you may be sitting in a sales role, but at the end of the day, you're fulfilling a need and you're fulfilling or helping someone achieve a dream. That to me is the rationale behind success with millennials in this market and allowing them to understand that this is not the negative connotation that sales and banking has gotten over the last five, six, seven years. There's a different facet to it. And I think we have to begin to speak in that language to the millennial generation. Fantastic. We've seen the relationship of sales and banking significantly shift over the last few years. That's, of course, due to increased technology, less branch interaction. How has this changed sales mentality in the industry overall? All the technological tools that are available to salespeople has had a bit of a negative outcome. We give tools to salespeople to be more effective at managing relationships, but it's not the panacea of being a salesperson. It's not the end all. Having all this access to technology is part of the solution. It's made certain things easier. Technology is an approach, but face-to-face conversation isn't going away. Certainly when it has to do with complex relationships, when somebody's thinking about planning a retirement, somebody wants to buy a business, somebody wants to expand a business, somebody's having debt problems, those are true face-to-face conversations. And 
the evolution of what that means for a salesperson is still having the traditional framework of a salesperson and a coach and a coach who can get in and understand how you're performing, give you productive feedback, and then actually maybe demonstrate the techniques to make sales more productive for you. Those are critical activities that are not going away. So technology will continue to grow new opportunities, speed, and approach will continue to present itself, but we have to be able to manage that in a traditional coaching environment and create fabulous coaches. And we still need to be able to have those face-to-face interactions with our clients. That's interesting. Coaches need coaches too, huh? Whenever there's a sales issue in an organization, wherever the performance is underperforming, the response of people is, we need to get our salespeople more training. When the reality is, oftentimes we need to give our coaches training. And you can't just coach the coaches and not the salespeople, but I would argue you have to start with the coaches. If you have someone who doesn't know how to coach their salespeople, there is no sustainability of success. There's no opportunity to deal with turnover. That sales coach is a critical anchor to ensuring successful sales outcomes. How have you seen the role of analyzing sales activity change to show those real stories behind the numbers? for analyzing sales activity, there's really two components. And it's just like being a baseball coach. You have to look at data. You have to look at, let's go back to a sales pipeline. Let's go to number of calls. Let's go to conversions. However you want to track that data, whatever your systems can provide, that's a critical component. But the other part of this that's critical is being with the salesperson and observing them in action, observing them having a conversation with a client sitting with them to pre-call plan, understanding how your salesperson is thinking about the call, what are their objectives, what types of questions do they want to ask, what kinds of objections are they anticipating, sitting with them afterwards, asking them how it went, asking them what the next steps are, asking them what they would have done differently. It is so important to be actively analyzing the data that shows one part of the equation, and then it's so important to be that coach that's one-on-one with the person, and we've been calling this high-touch coaching, it's a critical activity. And let's look at pitchers, the same thing. You can get their data, but you got to see them in action to really understand how they're doing. Now, when you made your presentation at BAI Beacon, you talked about five keys to coaching. What's that process? How can organizations implement it? Yeah, in a nutshell, the first piece of it, following up on what I've just spoken about, is gaining insight. So in order to be an effective coach, you have to understand how someone's performing, both through the data that you can have, as well as observing them in action. And that includes going on joint calls and being present. So you've got a host of information to work with when you sit down with that person to have a coaching conversation. The second component is the ability to give feedback and giving productive feedback. And so when you think about feedback, you've got data, you've got observation, Most coaches fail when they give feedback because most people like to be liked. We all like to be liked. And when you're giving feedback, it generally walk into it thinking this is just going to be a negative, tough conversation, and I don't like it. My coaching here is that coaches have to take at least 10 minutes before a coaching conversation and a feedback conversation to look at all that data, to put down the bullet points that they want to make, and that they're not just looking at things that were negative in a person's performance, but they're also looking at a positive. And this is important whether the person is a high performer or a low performer or somewhere in the middle. There are things that people do that are really great. There are things that people could use some 
work on. And that's part of the feedback that a coach should give. And I've seen the success of an individual who was on a performance improvement plan and underperforming got called in to have one-on-one coaching sessions. And that's usually like the kiss of death on a weekly basis. The RM, the relationship manager, ended up turning it around. And at the end of the 90-day period, had been back on plan, was doing phenomenally, and actually said to the coach, I know I'm on plan, but I want to keep having these conversations with you. These are phenomenally helpful. So that kind of coaching and being able to turn something from what has historically been a negative process of getting feedback into one that is very positive, even if you're underperforming. And if you're performing well, it's a reinforcement of the things that you're doing well. And guaranteed, there's a few things that someone could do more of, even if they're a high performer. So feedback's important. Third step, and this is where the importance of coaching the coach is so critical, is a coach has to be able to demonstrate how to do the things that they're coaching. So if you have a coach who says, well, here are your numbers, this isn't working, go run faster, make it happen, it sounds a lot different when the coach says, hey, I see what's going on, let's talk about your last call, tell me what happened on that, I know we didn't get the deal, where did it fall apart, what are your observations, and then spends the time to say, I know we lost the deal, but let's go through it again and talk about how this could have gone differently. And if the salesperson is struggling, when the salesperson is struggling, the coach's ability to demonstrate the importance of what it should sound like, how to interact, the type of question to ask, the follow-up, it shows an earnest interest in the coach's desire to help coach an employee. So I talked about insight. I talked about feedback. I talked about demonstration. The next one's role play. Everybody's favorite phrase, let's role play. I would insert the word instead of role play, call it practice, call it training, back to sports analogies. Those sports stars aren't great because they role play while they're on the field. No, they role play behind the scenes all week long when they're not at games, they're practicing, they're training. And that's really what role playing is. And trying to make that a regular process of conversation, again, instead of something that's done when you're not performing, but it becomes a fun activity and you can build some excitement around it. And then the fifth step is creating that action plan. So with all of this that goes on, What do we want to see happen from it? How do we establish that go-forward plan to keep people on pace? It could be regular types of meetings, when we're going to review what, how often do we go out on a sales call together, when do we pre-call plan, when do we sit down and go through, you know, a review of your process. So it's really those five steps, gaining insights, giving feedback, demonstrating processes, role-playing to ensure proficiency, and then creating an action plan to move forward. I think are really the five key steps to coaching that we've been talking about here. Not only good for coaching, but good for anyone who wants to refine their career as a mentor or someone who's being mentored. This is fabulous stuff. Lisa, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks for having me here. Lisa Oliver is president and chief executive officer of the Cooperative Bank of Cape Cod in Massachusetts. You can connect with Lisa on LinkedIn. And here are three key takeaways from today's podcast. Number one, millennials often look down on banking as a career, but educating them on the role they can play in helping a client is a key to attracting millennial talent in sales. It goes something like this. Salespeople help customers solve problems, help them out with knowledge, and help them to achieve their dreams in life. Number two, technology and digital tools for sales while effective are not a panacea. The bottom line is this, relationships matter and face-to-face conversations matter too. 
Watching a face-to-face conversation also helps coaches do their job evaluating sales performance and helping it reach a peak. But remember, coaches need coaches too to sustain sales success. And number three, remember that for salespeople, feedback is tough. We all like to be liked. So be sure to include positives and take 10 minutes before offering feedback to any salesperson. Then organize your feedback into bullet points and point out strengths as well as challenges. That will guarantee a receptive audience to your feedback and also encourage salespeople to do their very best work once they leave the meeting. Developing effective talent management strategies is the key to a successful organization, but do you know whether your acquisition, retention, and development metrics are in line with your industry peers? Find out with BAI Talent Management Benchmarking. For more information, visit BAI.org research. And now BAI Banking Strategies brings you... The Aha Moment, where our podcast guest shines a light on that point in time where realization, revelation, or exploration made all the difference in their financial services career. New bosses can mean new strategy, new opportunities, and of course, a new relationship. But here, Lisa Oliver talks about how one such brand new supervisor became a mentor, a champion, a guide, and much, much more. Listen. (laughs) You don't realize it's happening when you're going through it. My aha moment was maybe 10, 12 years into my career. I began working with a new boss who did boss type things, gave me goals, communicated to me performance, set strategic direction, included me as part of my team, asked for insights, etc. But that boss actually became my mentor and my advocate and my sponsor. And I say that very purposely because he used those words in a conversation with me to talk about the importance of how he viewed his role, not just being a boss, but as someone who was now personally going to take more of an interest in helping me figure out the next step in my career. And to be a boss and a mentor at the same time, helping me to work my way out of his organization, which would create a hole for him, where he'd be giving me up to the next opportunity was tremendous. And I learned through that process that he then became an advocate and a sponsor. And my easiest way to describe that is a mentor is someone who speaks to you. An advocate is someone who speaks with you. And a sponsor is someone who speaks about you. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. And here are a few reminders from yours truly and your friends at BAI. First of all, if you haven't done so, subscribe to our daily newsletter. It's free to sign up. And be sure to check out our ever-growing archive of podcasts. Also, be sure to check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter to stay up to date on BAI's latest and greatest. You can catch me on LinkedIn. Be sure to connect. I'm Lou Carloso, the managing editor at BAI. We'll see you soon. So long.